You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Girls on the Grid. My name is Priya and I'm here with my co-host T-Dog. What's up? That's also Tanea for those who are listening in. The better host. All right, settle down. So T-Dog, this week is a big week for us. We're interviewing a few different women. We usually do one a week, but we got a we got a big lineup. And why is that? Both of us live very uh what's the word? Interesting. I was going to I was going to say periodic. We like periodic busyness. We go between nothing for 6 weeks to not one day off for 12 weeks and that's it. We're just about to enter one of those phases. We had Phillip Island last weekend. We've got Taddy this weekend. Then, I mean, I'm flying all around the country doing test days and livery reveals. And then we've got Grand Prix and then we've got this and then we've got that. So I think I looked at my calendar and like the next eight weeks, like I don't stop. Like it's it's going to be nonstop. It's Thursday to Tuesday kind of like my Wednesday, my hump days is kind of like my holy balls just breathe for a moment kind of day for the next eight weeks. So, um, and like our guest today says, like your sport, you've got to love it. You have to love it because otherwise you would go insane based on the level of commitment that is required to be successful in, in this industry. So it's a busy time. So we've um, lined up some guests and we're lucky that we have the ability to line up guests and have some really good in-depth chats and then release them at a later date. Uh, I think like, I really enjoy doing this because it gives us time to research and really um, kind of make sure that the chats are really good chats for you guys to listen to. And yeah, this week we have smashed out some awesome chats. And seriously, the women in this industry that we get to speak to, they're just like, how cool are they? And how lucky are we? Because it's very, in a, in the sport that we're in, it can be so tough, but it's so motivating just being able to talk to these girls and then kind of remember why we're doing this. So I love it. But the person that we have today has been highly requested for a very long time. If you follow our Instagram, I have done like one of those quiz boxes, probably about once a week on who you want as our guest, who the the followers of our Instagram want to hear us speak to. And I think four out of four or five out of five times, this person has been the most requested by like 10x. Like if there's if there's 100 votes, it's 80 to this person. So that just shows that you guys really want to hear a story. And we're actually really excited to welcome Rihanna Crean to the Girls on the Grid podcast for this week. We will roll that interview in a little bit. But Priya, like Rihanna, like she's sick. Seriously, what a cool chick. She's awesome. She is just awesome. She is so inspiring in so many ways. And even when I was researching, I just got lost in it. I was listening to all the other podcasts she's done, reading up all the articles. She is just awesome. And we had an awesome chat to her. Anyway, Tanea, I think that's enough fangirl from us. Let's get right into it. Rihanna, thank you so much for joining us on Girls on the Grid today. We understand it's a super busy time for you at the moment, so we really appreciate you coming on. That's okay. You've got an insane amount happening at the moment <laughs> from being on SAS. 
and most recently returning to supercars. How does it feel to be back? Yeah, firstly, thank you, girls. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I, I, I know both of you um, from working within supercars and, and congratulations for getting the pod up and running. I know how tough it is to start something brand new. So yeah, congratulations for having having the tenacity and the confidence to get it up and going. Um, yeah, as you said, it is a really busy time for me at the moment, um, which is which is awesome. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be busy as, you know, it's been a pretty tough couple of years for all of us, um, particularly working in events and, and sports. So, so to be busy is good. It means that things are happening, which is awesome. Um, yeah, lots of stuff happening with SAS um, at the moment and I'm sure that that will continue on for the next sort of, you know, wee while while that but the show um, unfolds, and then it's yeah, it's um really exciting and really nice to be back with supercars. Um, it was a bit of a, I won't say last minute, but it was certainly um not what I expected I would be doing this year. Um, but yeah, it's certainly very very welcome, and and I'm glad that I'm back in the supercars family. So not only are you back traveling around Australia with both Priya and I and the whole supercars calendar. You're also, as you mentioned, on SAS, which is a huge show here in Australia. It's pretty hectic. (laughs) I've been watching it and I am not envious of the stuff that they're putting you through. What was that experience like? Yeah, it's um, it's incredible and it's still very surreal that um, that I'm watching myself on the show. I mean, I'd watched the previous series and obviously watched Molly Taylor, um, who we both know um, when she was on the show. So I had a little bit of an insight into, well, not an insight, but I had had watched it, so I sort of knew a little bit of as to what to expect um, being on there. But it is so much harder than what I ever imagined it would be. It's, it was like probably the most difficult thing I've ever done, and, and most probably will ever do in my life. But at the same time, just like such a phenomenal experience. Um, obviously, we 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 you know we take on different tasks and challenges throughout the show, and. And some of them are horrible and you never want to experience ever again, like pepper spray. Um, but other ones are just so incredible and surreal. And, and I'm not sure in life you would ever have the opportunity to do some of the things that we did um, throughout the show. So absolutely no regrets in, in any way. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was massively more difficult than what I expected. So you do triathlons and Ironmans for fun and going to SAS, that's something just so intense. I personally cannot even watch the show because (laughs) it's just, it's way too intense for me. But what has the public reception been like? Has it been mostly positive? Has it been negative? What's your, is it what you expected? Um, Yeah, it's always hard to know. I mean, obviously, I have a little bit of a profile from just what I've done with work with with the supercars and and with the bikes. So um, you do, you know, you sort of experience that throughout what I do with my job. Um, But, you know, doing a show like SAS, it's obviously a much more mainstream television show. It's on, you know, prime time of the evening. So yeah, you know, the audience that you're being introduced to is is a new audience that aren't necessarily, you know, motorsport fans. So um, it's always hard to sort of know how you're going to be portrayed because you know we we don't see the footage we only are seeing it we're watching it as you guys are watching it um as it unfolds so um you obviously know what happened that day but um you know there's 24 hours worth of footage and they they have to cram it into what you know hour and a half two hours each night so um there's a lot that doesn't get shown um and then there's obviously it's at the end of the day it's it's a very real reality show so what we did is all very real but there's still an editing process that has to happen and there's still 
ratings targets that people want to hit. So, you know, they have to, um, you know, showcase some of the things that maybe we don't think are a big deal at the time, but, you know, they look like a big deal to people at home. So um, the perception has been mostly, you know, mostly positive. Um, there's obviously always going to be people that don't like you or people that don't feel that you should be there or, or people that just, you know, just just don't see eye to eye with, you know, my myself or my values or whatever. So, yeah, there's always going to be some sort of negative criticism. But um, at this point, it's been relatively okay. <laughs> so let's wind the clock back a little bit. How did your role in supercars get started in the early days? Was motorsport something that you grew up with? Was it something you were always interested in? Did you know anything or was it just sort of like, here's a mic or here's, here's this situation, go for it sort of thing? Yeah, I'm probably a little bit different to most people in motorsport. I, I didn't grow up in a motorsport family. I had no interest in motorsport. It wasn't even something that was on my radar at all. Um, I, I came from a family that really enjoyed sport. Um, we were a bit of an AFL sort of family. My brother and sister did um, little athletics and athletics, so we were certainly a sporting family. Um, but I, I mostly was, um, in dancing and I did dancing from a very, very young age all the way up until I was sort of, um, a late teen. And my goals was to be, was to work in the entertainment industry. I always thought that I'd end up on a stage somewhere. Um, and that's where I feel most comfortable is sort of on the stage or in front of a crowd and and that sort of thing. And, um, my first introduction was doing the Miss V8 supercar competition, um, back in 2005 is when I first entered there was a little ad in the newspaper the local newspaper and my mum said you know you should enter it and um, I didn't see myself as a model or anything but I suppose it was just you know something to do on a weekend and and won won the the perf round of the competition that obviously no longer run anymore and then that got me through to the grand final um, and then I won the grand final and so that was um end of 2005 and then for the year the 2006 following season I was Miss V8 Supercar so I traveled to all of the V8 Supercar events I was I suppose seen as like an ambassador to the sport I did basically all the things the drivers sort of did off track so all the signing sessions radio interviews tv stuff um you know going to shopping centers like whatever it was sort of um that we had to do and I did all that with um with the drivers and then obviously at the track you know I, I can't I don't know you guys are too young you won't remember but they used to run the Miss V8 supercar competition we had the grid girls all that sort of stuff so the track you know was that's what we did there you did not give me enough credit there I remember that like for one or two <laughs> years at GC I remember it was a long time ago <laughs> and it was you know it was when I did the competition it was probably different to sort of how it evolved um over the years like when I did it it wasn't so much about like a beauty pageant it was more about um I suppose what we could add to the sport um it sort of evolved into a bit more of a beauty pageant afterwards um which is enough nothing wrong with that at all it's just the way that the competition evolved so basically um my year as Miss Fate Supercar was 2006 um back then they also did a show called Panel Beaters which was on um it was Big Pond. It was called Big Pond Panel Beaters. It was an internet stream show, I think, on the Friday night of each round, and it was hosted by Neil Crompton and Brad Jones, from memory. And they used to get me on, and I would do, I would be part of the tipping competition, and we'd have a bit of a laugh, and I'd give my tips, and I won the competition that year. <laughs> and um, I suppose that was really my first exposure to, you know, being in the television of of the supercars. And at the end of the year, um, 
Leanne St. George, who used to run the competition, you know, asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to work in TV. Like I want to do something in, in front of a camera. Um, so basically um, the television department didn't have a huge, like the big screen kind of didn't really exist back then. Um, and basically they said to me, if you can fly yourself to the events, um, so it's out of your pocket to fly yourself to the events, um, you can basically do work experience um, as the, you know, colour reporter of the big screen um, and, and we'll give you a go. And so for the first two years, I'm pretty sure I didn't get paid and I worked full time um, in, a, in a sort of another job, nothing to do with V8 supercars. Um, so I worked full time during the week, did some sort of promotional modelling stuff on, on the side and then flew, spent every single cent I owned, I owned um, flying myself to the rounds and, and working for free. <laughs> That was a very long answer to a very short story. <laughs> no, great. It's it's awesome to hear about it all. That's cool though, because I did the exact same thing. I would work a work a job, and everything that I earned was flights and a com to the supercars around to go work for free. It just shows you how much you want it, really. Yeah, and and look, obviously, um, I spent that year doing this at supercar, so I got an introduction into the sport, and and you know, I came to love it, obviously, and and you know, you start to learn more about it, and and look, I am I'm a sport fan. Um, through and through I love sport I watch pretty much all the stuff that I watch on television is sport and I love live sport um, and I knew that you know that a sport um, to work in tv a, like sport was kind of where I wanted to be and, and obviously then starting to get that real inside knowledge of of V8 supercars back then um, it kind of like developed from there. So another one of the many things you do you also host a podcast a podcast and a web series uh, the backstory so Tell us a little bit about what you talk about on there. Yeah, so that's um, a pretty new um, venture that I sort of started last year. It's something that I've been thinking about for a bit of time and I suppose, you know, we're all just busy doing our own things so you never really set you know, time aside for, for sort of passion projects, if you like. Um, and then last year um, I sort of had some some people around me that that could help support me with um, just logistics of getting that sort of stuff together um, and got a little team together. And um, the backstory is basically um, talking to various um, athletes who have all had, you know, different levels of success in their careers. And I suppose just, you know, we see the top line stuff, like we see, you know, someone standing on the podium, we see someone with a a medal from the Olympics and, and often that's, can be perceived as, you know, overnight success. But we all know that overnight success doesn't really work unless you're a TikTok viral sensation. Like overnight success kind of doesn't exist, you know, in an athlete world. Like it's it's a 10-year overnight success, you know. Like all of a sudden someone's at the Olympics and they win gold and we think, oh, my God, this person just came out of nowhere when really they've been, you know, slogging their guts out, working a full-time job, you know, training where they can and and that's where their success has, has come from. So I'm really passionate about talking to athletes and hearing their stories and um, what it's taken, um, you know, sacrifices and, um, you know, highs and lows of, of their journeys. And I suppose the backstory is is just that. It, it's, you know, getting to really know these athletes aside from basically just the, you know, the gold medal around the neck. I'm actually really excited about the concept of it. I seriously love hearing how athletes came to be athletes and it's always such a bigger story than you think it is and to like it's gonna yeah it's gonna be really interesting I can't wait to listen in yeah thank you um hopefully we can you know sort of had to have a bit of a pause on on filming there's a a few other things going on at the moment but I'm really hoping we can get it all um get it all out for, for April this year so yeah I'm really excited as well 
Yeah, awesome. So speaking of all the things you've got going on in your life, you're a TV presenter, athlete, podcaster, wag, all of the things, so many different things. What's an average day look like for Rihanna Korean? Yeah, lots of hats. Um, average day is a really hard question to answer because I, um, I don't really have an average day. Every day looks so very different. Um, and it's been like that for a very long time. It's, I've basically worked myself um, for the last probably 13 years um, and, you know, done lots of different things. And, and you girls would understand that that can have times when you're really busy and it's completely overwhelming and you just don't even know how on earth you're going to, you know, finish what you need to finish. But then you can have periods, you know, where days or weeks go past and it's like, oh, it's a bit quiet and like, oh, God, I need to hustle a bit harder and, and get a few more things together. So um, average day for me, look, every day starts similar like I wake up pretty early I'm a really early morning person I love um love the first part of the day so it's like 4 30 5 o'clock wake up um do some training so whether that be running swimming cycling pilates um something it's it's kind of like my non-negotiable it's kind of like brushing my teeth like I do it every day um just basically for my my, my own sanity um, then it will be, look, I work from home. I've got a, an office upstairs with a huge whiteboard in front of me. I'll show you. Like it has all of that. <laughs> That's my life. Um, everything's sort of like I have to have it in front of me so I can see, um, you know, what's what's coming up and, and what events I've got and, and between my calendar and Will's calendar and all that sort of stuff just to make the house sort of run a little bit smoothly. Um, but, yeah, the, it could be filming for the backstory. It could be photo shoots, um, lots of Instagram content. Um, and I manage all of my socials and stuff, so that's pretty busy. Um, and it sounds really lame that, you know, like social media is busy, but that's another element of sort of like my work and my job. And, um, yeah, and it's just – and then I'm just a normal person. Like I, I'm married to Will and we have our dogs and – I cook and clean and, and walk the dogs and all that sort of pretty boring stuff, but it's all just, you know, part of life stuff too. You've set some pretty big goals and it seems like you're always wanting to challenge yourself further from doing Ironman triathlons to now SAS. Do you have any upcoming goals set for yourself that we might see you achieving soon? Look, there's always little things that I tick off in the background. Um, last year was a pretty big year. Like it was um, in terms of like physical um, challenges, I suppose, physical goals. I, I just said I did an Ironman triathlon. So that was six months, um, seven days a week training um, to, to, to do that race. Um, so an Ironman is a um, 3.8K swim, 180-kilometre bike, and then a, a marathon, so a 42-kilometre run at the end. So that's that was really big for me and that was a huge commitment and a massive sacrifice um for myself and for will as well it's a it's a lot of of your days it's a lot of your weekends and you know on a saturday and sunday i'd be training for six hours each day so that was pretty epic and pretty huge um and then and then not too long after that um i probably had about a month of of not too much and then i started training for sas and then obviously that took up, um, you know, a lot of time at the back end of last year. So the end of last year, I was pretty, pretty done with like goals and, and big achievements and, and that sort of thing. I sort of needed to really um, mentally sort of just reset um, and physically reset as well. And, um, and then this year, I haven't really earmarked too many things. Um, I was going to aim for a marathon here on the Gold Coast, um, but that is looking a little bit harder at the moment. I've got a couple of little niggles. Um, 
but yeah, I'm kind of just going to see what happens in the next couple of months. I've sort of, I'm busy work-wise, so I don't really want to commit to too many things that, um, that are going to take up too much of my time like they did last year. So you say you're just going to take a chill. Didn't you do a triathlon like <laughs> last weekend? Yeah, <laughs> I did. It was um, chill. my birthday. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I love, and some people, you know, people find it difficult to understand sometimes, but, you know, training is like my meditation. It's like my mental health, um, you know, check. And, and if I, and, you know, you can ask Will, like if I don't, train or exercise like I I'm a really different person and um and you know I'm certainly not as nice of a person and so for me like when I say you know I'm training every day like that's kind of just like what I do but then if I've got an event obviously I I step it up a notch um but yeah I did do a triathlon on Sunday it was my birthday so we went and did a triathlon but you know like for me that's like what I would do um it just, I don't know. It's just, it's just who I am. <laughs> so taking a bit of a different turn here, obviously you're in the public eye. You've got people basically watching your every move and everything you say in real time. Have you faced a lot of negativity from the motorsport audience for your role? Um, yeah, I have. I, when I first started working with the the television, particularly when I started working in the broadcast, um, which was Gosh, I think like maybe 2013, 2014, when I first started dipping into the the broadcast, you know, outside of the big screen. Um, and look, I was still so young in my in myself and in my career, and 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 very, um, you know, like green in in what I was doing. And yeah, I met, I was I look back and I think, oh my god, it's like I wanted, I just want to turn that person off, you know, like I wasn't I wasn't very good. Um, and I made mistakes and, and I don't think people necessarily took me very seriously because I was young and I'd come from this background of Miss V8 supercar and, you know, then I, I was dating a driver. So it was kind of this like real stereotypical story, I suppose, you know, promo girl hooks up with driver, ends up working the television type thing. It was, um, so I suppose there was a bit of negative, um, negativity surrounding that. Um, but, but in saying that social media wasn't as, big back then and, and I certainly did have a social media profile that was huge but yeah in those early days the the criticism came thick and fast um and you know like was pretty yeah pretty horrible at times um but I suppose you know like we all grow like we grow as people we grow in confidence we grow our skill set um and I think you know over the years I've I've um, gained more respect from from the you know from my work colleagues and from our fan base and um, you know and and there's not to say that there isn't negativity now like there certainly is um, but I'm I'm probably on at the moment I'm it's it's all okay it's all manageable there's nothing um, there's nothing too horrible um, but but I'm also better at um, you know being able to switch that off like I feel like I'm a pretty strong person I've got pretty thick skin there's not too many things that you could say to me that um that are going to really offend me or hurt me um it's for me now where I'm at where I'm at um with my my profile and what I share on social media there's not much you can say that's going to hurt me but you can but it's if people um bring my family into it if they bring will into it or anything like that that's when I really take offense because I'm choosing to share myself um, but my family isn't. So that's a really um, a tricky one to navigate sometimes. 
Do you feel like that early, those early days where you copped a little bit of that criticism helped you kind of gave you, give you that drive to want to prove yourself that no, I'm not just the stereotypical promo girl. Like I'm actually very good at what I do. And you almost kind of nearly had to prove yourself sort of thing. Um, yes and no. Like I think um, for me personally, like I have a pretty strong drive to to better myself and, and to always be successful in whatever I, you know, start out. So I think um, regardless of those criticisms or that criticism, you know, I still was trying to strive to, to improve and, and develop as a presenter and, and have more knowledge about the sport. But, yeah, I suppose there are times where you sort of, um, you know, in those early days you, you, you want to prove your worth and you want to, you know, you want to gain people's respect and you want to show people that you can do the job and, and that you are qualified and you're deserving of a place. So I suppose there certainly is an element of, um, yeah, showing people that, you know, you can do it and, and um, you know, I'm not going to shy away from someone telling me I'm useless or, you know, says the wrong words or whatever it is and, and, and that's, you know, going to make me, you know, quit. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tough. Like, Social media is amazing, but it's, you know, it's also horrible. Like it's, you know, it's a real fine line between um, using it positively and, 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 you know, like for me, it's part of my, part of my job and part of my career and I love it. But um, yeah, it's certainly, you know, it's not all roses all the time. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a tough role for sure. And, and like you said, it's not going to be roses all the time, but you get to experience some huge moments from Bathurst wins championship wins you were there you're the first there waiting to talk to these drivers you were sitting on the car with my dad and Lancey <laughs> when they won in 2018 so what win or achievement has been your favorite to experience yeah that's such that's such a hard question because there has been so many incredible moments and and you touched on your dad and Lancey winning Bathurst and for me that still sticks in my mind as as one of the most unreal experiences I I will not forget how loud they were cheering their names um and to be in that moment like literally be in that moment was um I just remember looking up and just thinking like holy shit like this is you and me (laughs) like I it yeah it will stick with me forever yeah and and really special and um and and obviously um you know when we won Bathurst in 2016 um I was I was at the podium like doing the interviews and and that's a moment that you know he and I I don't, I'm not gonna say we reflect on it all the time but you know there's moments where I think like that was you know one of the pinnacle moments in his career and and I got to share that with him and and you know I don't know how many couples there are that would have a story similar to that um so we're like in this crazy unique position where we got to sort of both share that moment but then there's also like other moments um, which probably don't, you know, they're not on people's radars because they weren't Bathurst. But, you know, like I remember Lee Holdsworth getting the first win for Erebus and, you know, he was crying and, and I was crying. Like it was such an emotional win. And, um, you know, I remember Tom Randall when he got a pole position in, in Super 2 for the first time and like he just like the elation on his face that, you know, I got to sort of be there for and, um, but then, you know, there's obviously been some really, really challenging moments and, and um, you know, Chaz crashing at Bathurst and, and that was that was horrific. Um, and and Lee, when Len Lee crashed at Darwin and, um, you know, I, I went to the medical centre with him and, and Lee and I are very good friends and, and that was, you know, just 
horrible, a really horrible experience, um, but sort of, you know, part of the storytelling, you know, and we, we have to tell all the stories, the good ones and the bad ones. And, you know, I take those moments um, with great privilege that, you know, I've I've been able to to be there during, you know, some of the, the best, but also some of the worst moments of these guys' lives, you know, in terms of incidents on track and that sort of stuff. You definitely don't get the highest of the highs without the lows in, in this game at all. But speaking of Will, for those who don't know and who are listening to this podcast, Will Davison is Rihanna's husband. He is a current driver for Shelby Power Racing in the Supercars Championship. Give us the deets. What's the love story? We're here for the here for the goss, here for the here for the lovey stuff. Um, yes, I don't think our story is that much of a secret now. Um, we met back when I first, you know, obviously when I was first working in supercars, uh, I think it was 2007, um, when we first met, um, he was obviously pretty new to the supercars championship as well. In 2006, he started the DJR and so he was pretty young in, you know, in his supercar career. And obviously I was just brand new and I, you know, I had no idea who he was really like, I know any of the drivers at all um and we struck up a friendship and um yeah like I was living in Perth at the time that's where I'm from and Will was living on the Gold Coast um and we got together and I moved I think I was 19 um just 19 and I packed up four suitcases and told my mum I was moving to the other side of the country with a supercars driver and <laughs> see you later and um look it it all worked out thankfully <laughs> yeah I think back now I think my poor mom you know like, <laughs> she she was just like what the hell but yeah thankfully it's worked out <laughs> there are many people out there who find you very inspiring and look up to you but is there anyone who you look up to and has inspired you in your career yeah absolutely um you know and I still find it not interesting but I find it bizarre that you know people see me as inspiring or whatever but um you know I just feel like I'm just a pretty regular person that has a cool job and um you know I try you know try to be a good person and and just you know live my life um but yeah certainly when I first started in in sort of supercars um particularly when they were you know those challenging years and um Aaron Mullen who um was you know used to at the time was working on the NRL footy show and, and channel nine sports presenter and now you know working on the radio and her and I um became very good friends and and she's always been um a huge inspiration for me and, and been a great mentor and someone that I could call um or text at any time if you know I just you know needed some advice or or, or things like that um and more recently Jess Yates um obviously the host of Supercars is her and I have a great friendship and um, she's also been someone who's given me lots of guidance um, over the years. But there's been loads, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I've had really great people um, who have guided me um, with, with various different things and steps in my career. Grant Daniel's always been fantastic. Shane Jacobson. Um, and I've had some really, really good people that I'm just unfortunate that can pick up the phone to and, and sort of just chew the fat or say look this is this is where I'm at like what do you think or you know what advice would you what would you do if you were in this situation so um yeah just just really good good friends that have you know been able to sort of be there um throughout the good and the bad times so last year you spent some time doing pro mx the pro mx broadcast now motocross that's my speed that's where that's where I grew up pre grew up at a racetrack I grew up at a motocross track what was it like 
motocross is a little bit different cars it's a little bit muddier yeah I, I mean I loved um I loved last year working um with both the super bikes and the motocross championship and um super bikes was probably a little bit more um bit of an easier sort of um, transition because I knew some of the riders I knew some of the teams and we'd cross paths and that you know there was shared sponsors and um, a couple of the guys I, w- I was friends with anyway um, so it wasn't as much of an eye-opener um, the motocross for me was pretty new um, I'd been to a few, I've been to a few motocross um, events and, and and Will certainly ridden um, dirt bikes and stuff you know his whole life um, but yeah the motocross it's it's very grassroots it's um, you know, obviously they're, they're a professional outfit and it's a national championship, but um, motocross for people who have never been, like 99% of the, the championship would be considered a privateer or an amateur um, sort of team or, or um, rider. Um, so very different to a, like a supercar paddock. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. And motocross I find it was a little bit... Uh, let's say less rules um, when it comes to an event um, you can really get on the track um, you know it's pretty um, pretty eye-opening when I first at my first event when I was like oh you can stand right there and I'm like really I'm allowed to stand here with a camera and like yeah yeah that's fine I'm like okay <laughs> like um, you know it was it was quite a cool experience in that sense and um, yeah like they're phenomenal athletes uh, motocross riders supercross riders um, probably some of the fittest athletes um, you'll find, you know, their, their cardio fitness has to be incredible. They have to have amazing strength, you know, heart rates at absolute, you know, max for, you know, an entire 20 minute moto. Like, um, yeah, just unbelievable athletes that certainly don't get enough um, recognition, finances, sponsorship. You know, they deserve so much more than what they currently get. What has been the highlight of your career for you? other than being able to experience a lot of cool moments with the drivers, what has been most rewarding for you personally? Um, wow, that's a really big question. <laughs> um, look, I think, you know, I've, I've been able to, as you mentioned, I've been able to do some very amazing things and, and travel and, you know, go to places I never sort of probably would have ever experienced. Um, but I think just in general, like, you know, lining up, for a broadcast for a national sporting championship and being one of the key you know presenters in that broadcast um it's it's pretty amazing and I think when I first sort of came into the broadcast there was so it was a different landscape the sporting landscape was very different to what it is now and to have been part of that and then to have seen change and evolution in in the sport and the way we broadcast and um, you know, just everything, it's been pretty cool. And I've, you know, I've sort of been around now for like, I don't know what, 14 years. Um, and I think that in itself is, is pretty cool. You know, it's, it's certainly not been easy, but um, I must have done something right to sort of survive this long. So throughout your career, has there been kind of any opportunities that have come to you that you wish you had said yes to, and it could have maybe taken you in a different direction? Or is there any kind of moments like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, God, I get confused all the years. I think it must have been like 2012-ish or something or maybe later. Um, I had the opportunity to work with um, the Top Gear guys. So um, Jeremy Clarkson, James May, um, Richard Hammond, the, the, the Top Gear guys, um, they came out and did um, some events in Australia and I was part of that um, part of that team, which was just 
the most incredible experience ever. Um, and there was an opportunity for me to go and work um, with them at events in South Africa and in Europe. Um, and I wasn't able to do it because I had um, commitments with V8 Supercars. And look, I don't know if that could have taken me off in a, on a different path. Um, I'll never know. But um, yeah, that was, that was certainly in it, um, one that I, I wish I could have experienced for sure. Is there anything you'd like to do outside of racing? Because we know we know you're a registered nurse. Is that something you might go back to, or would you go on to study something else, or take on a new role? Or are you quite comfortable at the moment? Yeah, like I, I did, I did um, go to uni. I did become a nurse. I worked as a nurse in my sort of earlier supercar career. Um, I think that's 2013. I was working as a nurse for a couple of years. Um, and it, you know, I loved working as a nurse. It just, it just got really difficult to juggle everything, um, and um, something had to give, unfortunately, and that was nursing. Um, I would never say never. Um, right at this point in my life, nursing's kind of just not, um, not in my thought process. Um, but yeah, like at the moment, there's, I feel like. Um, particularly with, you know, things that are going on with, you know, SAS and bits and pieces like that. I'm kind of just seeing what happens. Um, who knows? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to have expectations and I don't, I don't want to think that, you know, something's going to happen this year. I just want to sort of see what, what happens like, as the year evolves and, and see what, what comes up. All right. So let's bring it back to a little bit of the motorsport and the girls on the grid. Is there anything that you would change about the sport? Whether that's whether it's racing or media or anything like that, what do you think needs to change? What what do we need to be better at? Oh, look, I think if there's not change, we're not progressing. Um, I think that's for, for any industry or any sport, um, any television broadcaster. You know, I think if you if you sit back and think everything's perfect, um, that's a that's pretty naive. Um, look, and I think that we're always developing and progressing, and um, you know. As you know, if you, if you watch a broadcast from even five years ago, you're like, wow, look how far we've come in, in such a short period of time and, and likewise with the sport. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we can't also go changing for the sake of change. Um, I think that can be dangerous and particularly with how the last couple of years has played out with, you know, COVID and, and events not being running, run and, and things like that, I think that, you know, everyone just sort of needs to take stock and, and have a really good solid year ahead before, you know, we sort of start deciding on, on new paths or, you know, changing things or anything like that. But um, I think the product is amazing. I think the broadcast is amazing. Um, and we just have to keep going um, with the world. I think, you know, I think you have to. Otherwise, if you stand still too long, you'll you'll get left behind. And over the period of time that you've been in the sport, would you say there are more opportunities now for women than when you first started? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I mean, when I first started, um, you know, there certainly wasn't, I mean, Leanne Tander, but um, I sort of didn't have a lot to do with Leanne when she was racing. Um, uh, that was sort of before me. Um, but in terms of, you know, you know, women racing, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of girls. Um in terms of the television, there wasn't a lot of girls. Bryony, Bryony Ingerson was there, I think, when I first started. Um, and there was a couple of girls sort of more in the administration roles. But, um, but yeah, there's certainly more opportunities because more, you know, it's, I suppose when I first started, it was kind of like, you know, your mechanic driver, 
team owner you know like there's so many more opportunities for everyone not just for females now in so many different facets of the sport um and i think that you know we're we're sort of it's more visual now you know there's social media there's you know the television there's um streaming like there's so many different things that people can see it um whereas you know back in the day it was like you know you watch it on free you know free to wear tv and that was kind of your very limited exposure to a sport you either went to it or you watch it on free to wear now like it's everywhere you know there's instagram facebook this that you know what i mean like it's there's there's so much of exposure of the sport to people so therefore you know there's more opportunities as well yeah for sure and with more opportunity will come more pathways for women to become involved what is your advice for women who are wanting to get into motorsport in general or into a similar role to what you do look i think my advice for for women is the same as my advice for men or or young young females young males who want to get involved in motorsport it's it's not a regular job um it's it's hard work and if you um are getting into it because you know you want a cool job that travels it's not the right job for you um you know this is a job where it is your life i mean like all three of us that are talking now it's you know like it's part of your you've immersed yourself in this industry um it's not something where at five o'clock i go oh well turn you know turn my brain off to that and and i'm going to go and have dinner and then i you know turn myself back on at 9 a.m um it's certainly not that kind of job. So I think you have to have a genuine passion for the industry or for the role that you want to do. Um, and you just really, you have to immerse yourself in that process. And, you know, that's why we say we're a bit of a traveling circus because we really are a family. We spend probably more time with people in the paddock that sometimes than what we do with our own family back at home. So you have to be, you know, have to have an understanding and an awareness of that. Um, and if that's not something that, suits you then it's it's probably not the industry that you should be working in um but you know if you're willing to you know work your guts out and and sacrifice weekends and you know sacrifice you know people's birthday parties and things like that because that's what happens in this industry um you know but you love it then it's certainly you know you work hard and and you know there'll be opportunities for you so all three of us are heading to tasmania this weekend what do you think the supercars have in store for us yeah, I'm really excited to to get back to Tassie. Um, it's it's an awesome track. Like it's always really exciting racing. Um, there's always action and, and stuff going on. And you know, from a spectator point of view, you can pretty much see everything that happens on track. So um, I'm excited to get down there. I think that um, if we go off what's happened in previous years, that it's probably going to be pretty strong for for Triple Eight um, and you know, those cars, I think that they've always been pretty, pretty strong there. Um, I actually haven't looked at the weather or anything like that. So I have no idea what, what to expect from that point of view. But um, look, I think we saw at Sydney Motorsport Park that this championship is going to be a really hotly contested fight right from this um, outset. Um, there's probably 15 cars that can easily be in the top 10 and probably 10 that can be in the top five. So um, I think it's a really exciting time for the championship at the moment. All right, that is it from us. Thanks so much for joining us on the Girls on the Grid podcast, Rihanna. We've loved chatting to you. You've got such an amazing story and I really think that our listeners are going to be super excited to hear this story. Actually, when we did a poll on who do you want as our next guest, we had four different options and if there was 100 votes, 80 of them were for you. So I think everyone's going to be really stoked that this episode 
um, has come out and you've, and you've given us some time to share your story. And we just really want to thank you for, for your time today. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate um, you saying that. And, you know, thank you for the fans. And, you know, the fans have been a big part of, of my life and my career. And I'm very grateful to have, you know, some really fantastic fans. And, and you know, I'm proud of you two girls. You know, um, Tanea, like, obviously, you were part of the Supercars television production, you know, when you first started. And, um, you know, I've seen you grow. And, and now, you, you know, you're doing amazing things with what you're doing. And Priya, it's really cool to see you in Supercars. It's a full family affair for you. But, um, you know, you found your passion. And that's awesome. And I think it's so important that we can find our passion and turn it into a career and you girls have done really well oh thank you <laughs> you gonna make me cry good chat what a chick what a chick she's done so much and she's been such a big face in the sport for such a long time now and i think it's so cool how she actually she didn't come from a motorsport background but she's got so much knowledge now and she's such a pro and it all comes very naturally to her as well. But even everything else she does, she's very inspiring. She's always challenging herself, setting new goals uh, outside of what she does. And I think it proves you can really do anything you set your mind to. And she is a prime example of that. And honestly, how lucky are we as an industry to have so many powerful and confident women at the at the helm of our broadcast Jess Yates Rihanna Crean previously Charlie Robinson like there's these chicks leading being the the forefront of a male dominated or or a sport full of male dominance to see so many of these incredible just like driven women at the forefront like it just it can't, it, it makes me all it makes me all gooey and fluffy inside cuz I just love it I just love to see chicks doing cool stuff me too no for sure and you know you don't see how hard these girls work behind the scenes and and it's like I said before it looks like it comes so naturally to Rihanna um but it's she's put in a lot of work and and she's come a really long way like she said in the interview there's no such thing as an overnight success it just doesn't exist yeah absolutely but it was awesome to be able to chat to her what I loved so much about hearing is Rihanna started the exact same way as me. And the more interviews we do, the more I realize how many women started the same way that I did. Like, I thought I was the only one. I was like, oh, this, like, surely surely not everyone's done it this way. Like, this is so difficult. Like, surely other people do it different ways. But, like, we've spoken to two women now who worked jobs, like, worked normal jobs to be able to fly themselves and accommodate themselves with their own penny to then go and work for free just because they just wanted it that much and I was that person and to hear that people like Charlie and Rihanna have done it that way it just yeah it's just so cool and I really really enjoyed that chat with Rihanna oh yeah for sure and I think it shows that if you really do just push your way in and you work as hard as you want you will definitely get there yeah for sure and this week as we already prefaced at the start, we busy. We are two busy girls and how cool is it that we are busy? We are so flat out and I honestly love it. Coming off the last two years, this is this is a dream. Yeah, I'm so excited. Insane, but it's a dream. This week, we both jump on a plane to head down to Tasmania, down to Launceston for round two of the Repco Supercars Championship at Simmons Plains Raceway. 
Simmons Plains, the track's a bit funky. It's the shortest track that we have on the calendar, I think. Is, I'm not sure. Is it shorter than Barbagello? Surely. I wouldn't have a clue, but it's pretty short. <laughs> That's all I know. That's as far as it gets, I think. It's pretty short. So it's a quick lap time. It's a lot of laps. I think it's a super sprint format. Uh, as you can tell, that we are not the news segment. We are not the factual, here's your facts kind of podcast. If you need that information, go and listen to Parked Up or Parked Up Plus because we are not that. We are just going to assume, like, I think I think there's, like, two races or something. I don't really know how many races they are. I know that racing starts Friday afternoon and supercars hit the track Saturday. So, uh, I mean, um, yeah, if you need the news, we're not the place for that. We'll uh, just guess and hope for the best when it comes to previewing events. But as far as that goes, yeah, Tassie this weekend. What are you looking forward to? Oh, God. Um, well, it wasn't long ago that I was at Tassie, so it feels a bit weird going back there. Oh, for sure. Me too. No, it would be great to have some nice weather down in Tasmania. Um, hopefully we don't catch COVID this time because... That is what happened to me last time and that wasn't fun. So, <laughs> And the reason that I was not at Tasmania last time is because I got COVID. So uh, hopefully COVID-free travels would be, would be nice. Yeah, big week ahead and we can't wait. But thank you all so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this chat and we will be back next week with another guest. So we'll talk to you all then. Same time, same place, 6am on a Monday. You can get your Girls on the Grid fix. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you then. You've just listened to another Network R production. 